disaster doesn't only create loss of home, possessions, and community. These stressors play an individual at risk for emotional and physical health problems. Stress reactions after a disaster look very much like the common reaction seen after any type of trauma. At such a time, one nonprofit works with school districts to rebuild classrooms, provide school supplies, and ensure that students are able to continue their education after a disaster. I'm very pleased to have Craig Floyd, co-founder of Restore Education After Disasters, also known as REED, uh, which stands for, of course, Restore Education After Disasters. Uh, they assist students to a sense of normalcy uh, following any disaster by providing backpacks, uh, school supplies. In the past two years, REED has provided over 5,000 backpacks to students in need. Welcome to the podcast, Craig. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You do wonderful work. Nobody has ever thought of children per se after a trauma, in my uh, knowledge at the moment. So what was the incident? Was there any particular incident that inspired you to found this? Absolutely. Uh, I am the head of a private school uh, here in Southern California. Um, I actually went to school here as a student. And in 2017, I took over uh, as the head. And in my third month of my headship, the Thomas Fire uh, ravaged uh, Ventura County into Santa Barbara County. Um, our school, we lost half of our campus in the fire. Uh, I lost a, uh, we're a boarding school, so I lost a girl's dorm, a science building, uh, some other classrooms. My house was damaged. And so uh, that happened in early December. We shut down school for two weeks uh, before going on Christmas break. And when the president of the school and myself uh, returned to campus and saw the devastation, uh, we vowed that we would reopen on time that January. So through the tireless effort of myself and others and contractors, we did get the school reopened a month later uh, with no loss of program. We had different facilities, but no loss of program. And so everything I've learned through that process, I felt I needed to do something to give back to, to everyone. And uh, I didn't know what that was. And so uh, during that summer of 2018, my son and I were driving cross country to take him back to college in Alabama. And we heard an interview on the radio. And it was Kenny Chesney, the country singer, doing an interview talking about a foundation he started uh, to help rebuild the US Virgin Islands after Hurricane Irma, I, I believe. And as we heard that, my son and I looked at each other and go, this is what we have to do. We have to start a found, you know, do a foundation nonprofit to help schools rebuild after natural disasters. Well, by the time I returned to Ojai, it was time for school to start again, so I didn't have the, have the uh, ability to get started. So over the next uh, year and a half, I kept seeing disasters happening, frequently saw pictures of children sitting in tents with their, with their parents and not really being back in school. Finally, in December of 19, um, uh, uh, the hurricanes hit Puerto Rico in back-to-back -back weeks, uh, an earthquake. And it's like, okay, I have, to, I have to do this now. And so contacted a friend of mine who actually helped me through the, during the fire and uh, decided, let's make this happen. And through my research, much like you mentioned, there's nothing like this going on right now in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the other organizations that help after disasters, you know, they do stuff for like pre-kindergarten, you know, just some daycare type things. They take care of basic necessities. There is nothing that we have found yet that actually gets in and help school children following disasters 
or can provide assistance to schools in helping you know rebuild. Um, we have not had the opportunity to help in that capacity yet as far as a rebuild, uh, but that is what we're gearing up for. But as you mentioned, uh, in the past two years, we've done over 5,000 backpacks to help children uh, throughout the United States, um, and including some Ukrainian refugee students as well. So that is uh, probably my proudest moment so far as they'll to help and impact you know, 5,000 students uh, with their schooling. That's, that's quite a number, and uh, that's amazing work that you're doing. Now, my question is, when you are uh, providing the supplies, uh, obviously these children are from different grades, they're from different, uh, you know, working levels or academic uh, levels. So how do you cater to those? Is it something that you just, you know, give them something that is basic, that needs to be done, or...? Right. So, you know, so right now we're, we're handling the, the you know, basic school supplies for them. So we have uh, two different style backpacks we put together. Uh, we put one together for basically kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, and then we have a second one for sixth grade through high school. Uh, so it has the you know, basic supplies in there, you know, pencils, pens, crayons, highlighters, uh, notebooks, art journals, glue sticks, scissors, rulers. So, you know, depending on which of the backpacks is going, it will depend on what they, what they do receive. Um, but uh, it, it's been pretty incredible getting all this taken care of and done. Right. So I would assume that there's a lot of digital uh, learning happening in schools nowadays. Is that true? So uh, in that case, is there a need for uh, tablets or those kind of things? Because stationary there, there can be. Yeah, there can be. You know, so far we've been dealing, you know, truly with, you know, the, the basic supplies, as I mentioned. Um, we just uh, sent some supplies out to Shawnee, Oklahoma, who was hit by a tornado last week. And um, when I reached out to their school district, the woman I was talking to, she was asking for the basic supplies for elementary age students. Well, their middle school suffered damage and is closed for the remainder of the school year. So all their students are doing online for the remainder of their school year. And so um, they've been able to work to take care of their needs right now, but clearly as more and more districts are impacted through disasters, which are happening more frequently. There's going to be a greater need to look at tablets and things of that nature uh, to be able to help those students in need. The interesting thing about us so far is we've primarily helped after hurricanes and tornadoes so far. And so obviously there's massive loss. And as we've been reaching out to districts, sometimes we don't hear from districts. Um, and so it's been real hit and miss of who we've been able to help while I've been reaching out regularly to, to districts, uh, we hope to be able to increase that, get word out more to people of who we are and what we're doing to help get more donations into us to provide greater assistance to everybody. And um, do you get uh, people to help very often? I mean, is it easy to uh, request something and you get to help immediately? Well, so far it's been friends and family primarily that have been our donors. Um, as we've been growing our donor pool, it's primarily been coming from those resources. Uh, as we've been reaching out, trying to apply for grants or reach out to, to corporations that help, you know, for instance, you know, for crayons or pencils, um, they, they look at, they've had other avenues to distribute some of these items. And so it's been a struggle for us to get things. So we're just getting grassroots donations, turn around, buying stuff off, you know, on, online with Amazon. And, and then uh, we're able to generate a large volunteer workforce. Uh, I have about 25 adults that, will, that I can contact to do volunteer service. But also, working at the private school that I am, uh, I was able to uh, put out a call to ask students if anybody wanted to volunteer. And uh, this 
This past January, uh, we had 40 students, 12 faculty, some former faculty come together and put together over 2,000 backpacks uh, in which we turned, around, we turned around that next day in January and drove up to Northern California and delivered 1,300 backpacks to flood victims in two different locations. And so I have, I have a pool to assemble them. It's just a matter of you know, getting the funding to help you know, yes, you do. all the supplies. And uh, I'm sure these people are very happy to do what they are doing because it gives a great sense of satisfaction, of course. Let's take a break to understand what Jazuba is. Everyone at some point ponders on how this beautiful life can be made more meaningful. Maybe you're a leader trying to enhance your employees' experience at your organization. Or you already work for the community and seek volunteers with state-of-the-art skills to strengthen your nonprofit. Whatever your situation, know that you can make a difference. Chizuba began with this very vision, a vision to facilitate every skill and every passion in the world in meeting a social need. Corporate volunteering has several benefits for both businesses and organizations. In parallel, experienced and enthusiastic volunteers join NGO workers, enabling them to serve the community more effectively. Chizuba offers everyone looking to add purpose and meaning to their lives a chance to connect or volunteer virtually with non-profit organizations from over 100 countries around the world. Visit www.chizuba.net and explore opportunities to find meaning. Chizuba, your platform to do good. And now, back with our guest. Uh, my question to you would be, uh, would you think of collaborating with some kind of uh, corporates or companies which are into production of you know pencils crayons or whatever else and Absolutely. collaborate with them yeah we, we would love to when when we started read um, I did reach out to all the major you know brands and players in, in that area and to an organization um, I, I was turned down primarily I believe because we we're brand new and and unknown and no one understood what we were doing um, and they were and many of them had other avenues in which they were dispersing things there's a couple of organizations out there that will take large don donations you know from crayola and those different organizations and then resell them at a discounted price uh, rather than necessarily give them away and there may be some other options but um so that's been a struggle so far but we're, we're continuing to reach out and try to get those type of partnerships uh, with corporations to be able to make it a little bit easier for us to, to do this work. Well, I hope some corporation is listening to this podcast and I hope they come forward and help you out. Absolutely. I, I think that's the best way of advertising, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, you know, to be able to get the word out and, and, and spread the word on a, on a wider platform is huge for us. You know, we've had some, you know, some small newspaper articles written locally for us and it's generated a little bit of you know, momentum locally for us, uh, but we're still looking for, you know, a, a greater impact. Um, we have we have helped students in 10 different states now. And California only became a state we helped back in January. So for the previous two years, it was primarily the southern states. It was Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, that area. And so, you know, it, on social media, I'm seeing some more people paying attention to us down in those areas because they get hit more frequently. And so, just from the continual 
continually getting our name out there, you know, I think we're going to start to see some financial uh, benefit uh, from those areas, you know, being able to donate to us. But uh, at the same time, it, you know, it'd really take some type of an angel donor to come through, someone with some big pockets that typically wants to help disaster relief, help education, help young children. We're a one-stop, sh- you know, one-stop shop for that. And so if there's yeah. anyone out there that falls in that category, please contact us. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> please come forward. Yeah. Uh, do you think, uh, Craig, do you think that in the aftermath of a Trump uh, disaster, education is the last to get any sort of help? I do. Um, you know, it, it, it's amazing how that happens. And it, it's overlooked. You know, everybody, I mean, and, and not, it, it's not intentional by any means. You know, the first responders, the first response right. teams in, they need to help deal with the basic needs of, of, of everybody. Because typically there's loss of power, you know, loss of gas, water, you know, they can't get to stores, those type of things. So those, those responses have to deal with those issues. But what they forget is the parents, the adults, they have to then go through and deal with insurance, deal with FEMA, deal with these other organizations that take time. And I'm sorry, but it's not easy to take your six-year-old with you to go stand in line to get food or do insurance. And so after seeing that, like I said, you know, with Puerto Rico, it's like, okay, we need to do something. And uh, as we started this, our first response was to a tornado in Alabama. It was nearby where my son was going to college. We sent him some backpacks. He just drove over there, sight unseen to anybody. And we were able to get some backpacks in their hands. Finally, in December of, of 20 is when the large uh, tornado hit Arkansas, Tennessee, and Kentucky. And so it took about three weeks' time for me to make, co- or about well, two weeks, to make contact with the school districts to figure out what their needs were. And then my partner, Anthony, and I, we drove cross-country the day after Christmas. We had a 1,000 backpacks in the back of our truck. And I had two deliveries set up when we left. But I knew there was more that was needed. So I'm working the computers. We're driving cross-country. And we get there almost three weeks after the fact. One school that we talked to, they had actually got so many supplies donated to them for personal needs. So blankets, you know, bedding, and clothing. But they filled up their school but they couldn't even have school in the building if they wanted to. And so instead of going, okay, well, I wish we could have talked to them in advance and say, hey, you need to save your space. We didn't, but it's you know, something they're learning. Um, but they weren't focusing on kids at all. And as we're driving around these communities, we see kids sitting on the sidewalk, hanging out, and not being engaged. And it is so important because through these they don't have their friend. They can't go with their friends. They can't go see their friends because that house has been damaged or destroyed. They might yeah. be living in a temporary facility, separated, and so the only way to have that social interaction is to bring them back together. Mm-hmm. You know, our long-term goal is to be able to go in with temporary classroom facilities, whether they be tents or trailers, set them up, get kids back into school rather quickly to allow mm-hmm. the parents time to do their own recovery, mm-hmm. and to begin to get them re um, back in, you know, re, re back into the classroom to start learning again. But you can't diminish what they just went through. To many kids, especially younger ones, they don't know what a tornado is. They don't know why their house was just damaged. They don't know why there's no school. They don't understand that. So we want to go in, 
get classrooms operational and teach them first what just happened, you know, and why it happened. And, and let them have time with their friends and so, sort of set up a daycare, so to speak, for a day or two. Yeah, with so sense of normalcy. But then start back in with instruction. Um, with a lot of these, if you think about the high school kids as juniors or seniors, their junior year is the most important to get their schoolwork done to apply for college. Seniors, they have to get their college applications in. They're taking, in many cases, they're taking the SATs and the ACTs. And that doesn't stop for them. That has to continue. And so yeah. if you get hit in the fall, these kids need to have that those that education going on to keep them prepared and moving on and ready for college. And it's overlooked dramatically. And so we want to be able to change that and, and reshape the thinking. And and some of that will take getting more engaged with Red Cross and some of these other agencies uh, that are that are involved there. Um, when we responded to Northern California in January, we were able to make contact with Red Cross because one of their Red Cross members came out and saw us when we were pa passing out backpacks. And she passed our name on to her supervisor who went to their supervisor. So I've been able to make some contact here in Southern California. And the next step really is to get back talking to Red Cross saying, hey, can you talk nationally to the rest of the supervisors to be able to respond to these situations as they could. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, Craig, I wish you uh, actually, it's ironic. I, I don't wish you more of this uh, happening, but I definitely wish uh, all the people who are volunteering and all the people who are doing this great work to continue doing that. And uh, thank you on behalf of uh, the entire community and the world for what you are doing. It's amazing. Nobody ever thinks of students and classrooms after, uh, obviously, the basic needs of food, shelter, and water. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so thank you for doing that, and it was lovely having you on this podcast. Thank you. I'm glad I was able to talk about what we're doing, and, and hopefully your listeners will, will clue into what we're doing and reach out and become a part of what Absolutely. Our, our service. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.